0: Well, at this time of year, we especially uh, reflect upon our Passover lamb or the Passover goat, which was, uh, which was either the, from which they could choose for the Passover service as uh, Israel was poised to leave Egypt. And we reflect upon this sacrifice typified uh, by that lamb, ultimately referencing Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, that by his sacrifice, he covered and he removed our sin from us, expiated our sin by his suffering and death. And therefore, and through that, healed us, for which we are eternally grateful. By his stripes, we were healed, as we, we talked about on Passover, as, as Peter talks about in 1 Peter 2. It's a gift of supreme value, <laughs> such value that it's hard to, to grasp the depth of that value by, by the great I am that has existed for eternity, that divested himself of that, to come here to this earth and serve in that capacity. Jesus Christ is the truth, the way. He's the life. He's the bread of life. We're to eat and drink of him, body and blood. We've removed the leavening products from our homes. We're not taking in leavening this week. We note uh, our part to play in recognizing and removing sin daily, and we also picture how we how we're to strive to leave sin and leave it quickly, as Israel did uh, in leaving Egypt. So we're eating unleavened bread this week. I had uh, unleavened bread. I think we could call that uh, today. There are these really flat. Cookies from I don't know where Lisa gets them. Trader Joe's, but they've got all kinds of chocolatey, caramel things in them, and they are unleavened, and that's that was a nice unleavened bread treat. I I love to have baklava. Uh, We always have uh, we if if it's available we have to we 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 don't have to have it, but we love love to have baklava. Uh, This year's uh, baklava that she got was especially sugary. My wife prefers a little saltier. It was so sugary that I I put it in my mouth, uh, this piece of baklava this week, the unleavened bread uh, of, of baklava, put it in my mouth and I started to chew it and it just completely dissolved into sugar. Uh, didn't he, I could gum it, and, and it <laughs> I was done. I just kind of smashed down a little bit, and there it was done. I was ready to swallow. It was very sweet, and I like sweet. But uh, some of the sweetest baklava I've ever enjoyed. But we are to take in unleavened bread. That's uh, the unleavened bread uh, of of sincerity and truth, reflecting on Christ uh, as we do during Passover, as as being. Uh, that true bread that comes from heaven. So we see those analogies working, different analogies uh, for different services. So we're reminded that, though, of how we're to take in unleavened bread of sincerity and truth on a daily basis. As 1 Corinthians 5 tells us, therefore purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump since you are truly unleavened. So are we purging out the old leaven? Are we doing our part in purging that out. I'd like to talk about a leavened product today. Just one leavened product uh, today. It, it is, uh, it represents a little bit of leaven that can leaven the entire lump. Let's discuss the days of unleavened bread today and also camping. Camping. I don't know how this is going to translate for our Spanish-speaking brethren as Mr. Aviles is feverishly working upstairs. But we're going to talk about unleavened bread and camping. A possible title would be The Dangers of Camping. Uh, Another title might be I Hate Camping and So Should You. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 10 to begin. 1 Corinthians 10 brings us, at least introduces, part of the, the the subject that we'll cover today. Of course, we read this at the Passover service as we go through uh, the, the complete sacrifice of Jesus Christ as, as symbolized by uh, the bread and the wine uh, that we drink, but in an element of talking about uh, Jesus Christ and, and what, we, what we share. We, we cover this passage uh, every year in 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 16, the cup of blessing. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 16, the cup of blessing which we, we bless, is it not the communion? Is it not the fellowship? Is it not the sharing of the blood of Christ? We know it's symbolic of that. The bread which we break, is it not the sharing, the fellowship, the communion, of the body of christ and we know this passage we know it well verse 17 for we though many are one bread and one body we all partake of that one bread i know as a person who officiates the passover service uh, every year sitting on the stage and looking out at at god's people i as I'm reading that, if, if it's my uh, turn to read that particular passage, I just can't help but look out and see God's people and say, we we all share in that. Uh, we are part of the body of Christ. We're reflecting upon that. We're, we're reflecting on our part in necessitating the the sacrifice of Jesus Christ individually, and that we, as a as a family, as a body, as as individuals, collectively, are responsible for the need for Jesus Christ to provide Himself as an offering for such. and And there's something that's uh, very heartening, uh, very humbling by that, but very heartening as well, that despite who we are, despite what our status is in life, our our struggles, our our accomplishments, our battles, uh, our victories, here we are as God's people, all recognizing the the fellowship and the togetherness and the sharing that we have in this sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I won't uh, do this uh, today, but we could go through the various passages Uh, in Ephesians, that talk about this this body, this singular group, and the various roles that each of us plays in the whole development and strengthening and nurturing of the church, the body of Christ. So I, I ask us today, as we talk about the dangers of camping, are we the camp of Israel? Are we the camp of Israel? Are we the camp of the Israel of God? Or will we, or do we find ourselves becoming part of a camp within the camp of Israel? Are we part of the camp of Israel, or are we part of a camp within the camp of Israel? Have you ever found yourself in that spot? Have we ever seen that occur within the church of God? It has everything to do with the days of unleavened bread. Everything to do that, with that, as, as we'll look a little bit later here today. God has brought us into his courts, as is uh, talked about in Scripture. He's brought us to his house, to his house, his dwelling. He's brought us to his camp, the singular camp of Israel, the camp of the Israel of God. We know what Christ talked about in John 17 as He went through uh, in His prayer to God, talking about how I pray that they will be they may be one as you Father are 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 in me and I in you. Mr. Jennings mentioned about that complete surrendering. I, I heard Mr. Salyer's message uh, today in Sherman that he had given here, and I think that was what uh, Mr. Mr. Jennings, Jennings was referencing, here is this being that is the I am that completely surrendered his will to God because he was part of the one who dwelt in the courts of God. He was in the house of God. He was in the family of God. He saw all of that as one singular camp. And he prayed for that I as, as he was... Issuing that prayer to God, I pray that they, all of us, that they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may know that you have sent me and, that, and have loved them as, as you've loved me, and the glory which you gave me I've given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me that they may be made perfect or complete in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Do you know what I'm talking about when, when we talk about camps forming within the camp? I think, I think we know what we're getting at. But let's begin with a qualifier today, as these days picture as well. And it is a separation that we as Christians must follow. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 5. 1 Corinthians 5 to begin. We're jumping into this. We'll uh, come back to uh, some of the context here a little bit later. But in 1 Corinthians 5, the Apostle Paul is talking after he deals with this discussion uh, about this individual who is is committing this sin that they had not purged, uh, as, as they should, as they should have, and then he makes the statements that he does there in First uh, Corinthians five about the days of unleavened bread, and as as we've often said, I remember as a, as a. Uh, youth growing up in the church when, when we began attending really, really regularly uh, when I was in sixth grade, uh, of this area being a memory scripture for us that uh, th- that talks about purging out the old leaven and, and then that we should keep the days of unleavened bread, keep with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth uh, as, as they go into this and thinking, wow, you know here it is, 55, 56 or so AD. Uh, some 25 years or 24, 25 years after the death of Christ. And these, these Gentiles in the church are keeping the days of unleavened bread. Isn't that so clear? Why Why doesn't everybody keep the Days of Unleavened Bread? Why do they say that that was done away when, when the New Testament church that, that are filled with Gentiles are keeping the Days of Unleavened Bread, and they are to keep it with sincerity and truth? And, and of course, we, we get that, and it's a huge doctrinal point, but as we know as well, this goes much, much deeper with respect to the keeping of this time and what God wants from us and the choices that we make as we talked about in the sermonette. There is a qualifier. There is, we are the body of Christ and we are to be united, but there is, is definitely a qualifier. There are separations which we as Christians must follow. Verse 9, 1 Corinthians 5 verse 9, Paul says, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people, Yet I certainly did not mean the sexually immoral people of of this world, uh, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. It's talking with a young couple uh, today in the Dallas area, in the Sherman uh, congregation they were they were referencing this as we were looking at that uh, as they were thinking about that passage that we read on the first day of unleavened bread and uh, the woman was saying how i work in an environment that is all over the map with with in terms of the morality situation and and what we're seeing happen with the 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 gender uh, you know, transgender uh, situation, and th- their company is way out in the forefront of that. And they had been reflecting uh, as a as a couple on, you know, how how do I handle this? Can I can I work in this environment uh, where this is is pushed so much? Uh, and but as they talked, they recognized, well, this is it's just becoming pervasive everywhere. Is it all about me being able to get into a company that doesn't? that doesn't have that, uh, and, and then that way that I'll, uh, I, can, I can feel like I can follow God. Uh, again, I'm not saying that we, in, in looking at our employment options, aren't, aren't to try to get the best situation that we, we think would be conducive for our, our growth and our spiritual health. But they were thinking, you know, should I, should I get out of that and try to find some place that where I can work where I don't deal with any of that? And, and they said, then, you know, we read this, this scripture, and, and this is the reality of it. We, we live in this world. And, and he's, as he says here, uh, I didn't mean the sexually immoral people of this world, uh, because he says, and then he mentions other things, the covetous, <laughs> the extortioners, idolaters. So then you, because you would need to get out of the world. It, it's, it's everywhere around us. But he does say this, I, now I've written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral, covetous, or an idolater, or a reviler, or a drunkard, or an extortioner. He says not to even eat with such a person. Not to even eat with such a person. If a person claims to be a brother or sister in Christ, and and in the process of all of that uh, is, is, is openly living this kind of a lifestyle and and the, the church turns a blind eye to that. I, I'm not talking about a person that's battling sins because we all have things that we battle, but I'm talking about a person that is living that life and saying, I don't care. I'm living that life. It's all good. You know, it's all good. He says, put that out. That, that is, that is a, a little leavening that leavens the whole lump. It it is destructive to the church. And, And separate yourselves from that person, not to even eat with such a person. What do I have to do with judging those who are on the outside? Do you not judge those who are inside? But those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, here it is, put away from yourselves the evil person. I have to say this again, I, we're not talking about a person that, that is battling something and, and is, is eagerly seeking counsel and, and striving to work through and, and overcome the battles that he or she faces. That's what our Christianity is all about. But a person who is living that lifestyle, who claims to be a brother, God says put that person out. Because we are one bread, we are one body. Uh, so put, put that evil out. Uh, as as we know, as as we see from from this passage earlier uh, in the in the chapter playing out in Second Corinthians, uh, that is is what they did. And this person turned. This person turned, and they brought. And Paul was encouraging them to bring that person back into the fold, as as he or she turned from that. That's uh, it, there is a a uh, a clarity in in sin and removing ourselves from that sin that is, is typified to some degree with the Days of Unleavened Bread. Very, very clearly uh, that's the case. Let's look at one other passage to talk about this separation, which we as Christians uh, must follow. Second Thessalonians 3, 2 Thessalonians 3, 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 6. 2 Thessalonians three verse six, but we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us. For we were not disorderly among you. And then he goes through and explains how they they interacted and 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 did so appropriately. Uh, Verse 11, for we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Now those who are such, we command and exhort you through our Lord Jesus Christ that they, that they work in quietness and, and eat their own bread. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. Verse 14, if anyone does not obey your word in this epistle, note that person, note that person, note that individual that's, that's doing that. Uh, and and do not keep company with him, that he may be ashamed, that he may or she may recognize, okay, I am not living a right lifestyle here. This, this is going to, as I continue to live this lifestyle, give myself over to this lifestyle, this is going to be a problem for me in being a part of this fellowship that shares the one bread, the one body, uh, as part of the body of Christ. So I need to turn. It, it, wham! It, it hits me in the face. I've got, I've got to turn my life around here or, because this kind of lifestyle is not conducive toward, towards being a part of the, 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 uh, the body of Christ. Verse 15: but do not count that person as an enemy. You know, not moving into an animosity or a, a, a hateful adversary. No, don't count that person as an enemy, but admonish him, uh, warn him as a brother because we, we want them back in the fold. So that, that's, that's the caveat. But let's talk now about um, camps that we're discussing today, this a different kind of separation, a separation that can occur within the camp of Israel of God, the camp, uh, the body of Christ, uh, camps that, that can form, uh, that, that, that occur that should not occur, and yet it does. And yet it does from time to time. It arrives in various settings, and we'll discuss two today. We'll discuss just two settings. Let's go to Exodus 14. Exodus 14. This first setting is, we'll, we'll say this, camping Camping, forming camps within the camp. Camping is an evil that can slam right into us in times of great stress. It can come in and bam, it just hits us all of a sudden in the middle of a hugely stressful situation and all of a sudden, camps form. Let's see how one camp uh, within the camp formed very quickly here. Exodus 14 Exodus 14, verse 11. Here, Israel is leaving Egypt. They're confident and, and boldly leaving. And as it says in verse, verse 8 of, of chapter 14, they, the children of Israel went out with boldness. They're excited. God has delivered them. Here they go. They're, they're leaving slavery and they're, they're headed to the promised land. Verse 9, the Egyptians pursued them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen, and his army, and overtook them, camping by the sea uh, there before uh, Baal Zephon. Verse 10, and when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched right after them. So they were very afraid. They went from incredible boldness and confidence God is with us, here we go, we're out of here, and then all of a sudden, very afraid. So the children of Israel cried out to the eternal. And they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you, Moses, back in Egypt? Say, let us alone that we can serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. All of a sudden, very quickly, as, as Israel looked up, many had a a side direction that they began to take versus this God that had just delivered these incredible miracles to show that he was, he was for them. Um, you know, that last one being uh, the death of the firstborn to, to then all of a sudden this, and all of a sudden everybody everybody has formed this camp of, of division against God himself that he would deliver them. Think about uh, the situation in, uh, think about the situation as they were there on Mount Sinai, as, as Moses was receiving the law from God. He's gone for all this time, what was it, up to about 40 days, he's gone there. All of a sudden they realize, we, we don't know what's going on out here. We're out here, he hasn't come back. We don't know if everything's going to be okay, And and then lo and behold here we've got we've got a gold calf and and they're worshiping the calf and in and, and rising up to play uh, as as that happened and as uh, the this this transpired how did that start we i think we we uh, estimate that around what 2.5 million or so people were, were in that uh in that entire camp of israel did it start with uh, we need to have a golden calf, like maybe 400,000. All of a sudden, had the idea: let's do a golden calf. Let's. Did, did it happen that way? Uh, it, it, it happened with a little seed here or there. Someone began to think: Well, this God that we're supposed to be out here—that's—that's that's taking us to this place. We're not seeing this. This happen, and and we're out here all alone. So then this person talks to this person, who talks to this person, who talks to this person, and that little bit of leavening uh, leavened in a, a huge lump to where, to where even uh, the, the Levites and, and ultimately the priesthood are and Aaron himself is responsible for, for making this, this golden calf. Numbers 13, let's look at Numbers 13 really quickly. Another uh, situation, a hugely stressful situation that, that slammed them uh, all of a sudden. They were very excited, poised to go into the land of Canaan, uh, but they send the spies first, the spies, uh, one from each of the tribes. They, they go, they, they come back, and they give their report. Exodus, uh, I'm sorry, Numbers 13 Numbers 13, we know how this, the story goes here, but here they, they come back, uh, they, they came back and they saw the, uh, the descendants of Anak there, these, these giants, uh, verse 33, there we saw the giants, the descendants of, of, of Anak, and we were like grasshoppers in our sight. They gave, these people gave, uh, verse 32, they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying the land through which we have gone as spies is a land which devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in in it are men of great stature. The land of the giants are are there. Anybody used to watch the land of the giants? Anybody? I'm looking, seeing my sci-fi people. Okay, yeah, you know, land of the giants. Anyway check that out and you. Don't check it out. It's probably not worth watching, but you know, back in the 60s, I used to watch the land of the giants, but these, they were like grasshoppers, and, and all of a sudden, the stress of we're going to be devoured by these, these uh, giants in this land. You've got uh, the camp uh, w- that is representative of the camp of Israel with Moses and Aaron and Caleb and Joshua, and they're saying, God, if God be for us, these people are our bread to us. And yet this, this uh, seed develops, this, uh, this leavening develops with the others. And very quickly, you've got this huge number of people. The, basically, the camp within the camp devoured uh, almost the entire camp to where they're ready to, to uh, uh, go ahead and, and just stone those four people who are saying, God, God is giving us this land. Very, very quickly, the leavening leavening spread to where the, the ultimate result was that those 20 and up died out in the wilderness. Very, very quickly. They still tried to go in as a result after all of this when God said they couldn't. And that didn't go so well for them either. A camp within a camp formed again. Okay, let's jump forward now to a situation that happened in our recent past where, where camps had the potential of forming very, very quickly. Uh, a certain situation that slammed into us during a great time of stress. What are we talking about? We're talking about the, the, the stress upon the church that hit us in March of 2020. It, it slammed into us so hard and so uh, forcefully, and even not to the degree that some of these other countries e- experienced uh, a, a total shutdown, uh, we we experienced quite the shutdown here in the U.S. But it slammed us. It was a, it was a huge trial in terms of figuring out well what are what are we supposed to do as a church here? What how should we handle this? Uh, pressures as mr franks has said he he was just happy to be able to even get back into the country so here he's back in the country and now all of a sudden we as a church are faced with this time of great stress and what are we going to do what are we going to do the the country uh the country is shutting down are are we going to be able to meet for for services if if we can't meet what are we supposed to do next uh, vaccines were in the works. What about vaccines? Are, should we have vaccines? Should we not vac- have vaccines? When they're starting to let people go out and about, uh, the mask mandates, should we wear masks? Should we not wear masks? Uh, we, we've talked about this before, but I, I strove to keep in my mind that uh, the administration of, of, of our organization, the, the administration here in, in, in this aspect of the Church of God, was under a tremendous amount of stress to make, to make decisions, to make decisions about sh- should we meet, should we defy uh, the government of the land and meet anyway, should we, should we uh, enforce masks, should we enforce uh, this or that, how should we handle this? Uh, and all of a sudden, we're, we're faced with huge, huge issues, and a tremendous stress uh, placed upon them, and a tremendous stress placed on all of us as we're striving to figure out what's happening in our lives. Is it, how long is this going to go? Uh, what about our own livelihoods financially? All of us, all of a sudden, were slammed, wham, with this stress. Very, very challenging time. How did we handle that? How did we handle that? I think, I think uh, uh, about it I, as I reflect on it, and I, I th- as I think of, of the church as, as a whole, I think the church managed that incredibly well. As uh, has been talked before, as we look through that, you know, i, I it's trying to gather my information, gather information from various sources to try to make the you know to try to come to sense with how should should we be viewing this as a church? How should I be viewing this as a person uh, do i do I again recognize and acknowledge the direction that that we ask uh, the our administrators to, to make and, and, and yield to that. How, how do we handle all of that? How do we handle that if, 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 some, if a decision was made or something that we thought about, well, I don't, I don't know that that's the right call here or there. You know, we all, we all have our various views on how that uh, should be handled in, in each of those steps of the way. And it was incredibly challenging. It was incredibly challenging. And, and I, I think we can all admit that there were some camps that formed. There were some camps within the camp that formed. And, and yet, I think with God's mercy and with God's guidance, we, we worked through that. We learned a lot through that. I think we learned a lot that will help us. I, I hope it helps us when the real problems start hitting as we know, as, as, as things go, as, as we near Christ's return, things are going to ramp up, and are, things are going to be way more major than what we experience. But I, I learned a lot about myself through that. I learned a lot about uh, some of my uh, quick thoughts or quick things. I think I would want to say this based on what I was hearing here in, in agreement or disagreement, as I'd hear this on the radio or hear this from from uh, one of the uh, government officials, or, or this or that, to try to process that, and I look back on that, and 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 yet at the same time, there were some camps that, that formed, uh, and and it wasn't pretty sometimes, was it? It wasn't pretty, but but we worked through that, and and again, by and large, I would say as a church, uh, God's people humbly weathered that storm very admirably, and I, I. Thank you for that uh, and for the, the, the togetherness that we were able to, to maintain through a very, very difficult time. But it hit us hard, and, and and other things will hit us hard. Recognize the may we recognize the leavening that can start to sneak in, that Satan has many tools in his arsenal, but the arsenal that, that God gives us with the armor of God, as we process these things, we see the battle with spiritual wickedness in high places. We see it from that perspective. We don't get down into the uh, the quote the, the nitty gritty of the human nature aspect and the wisdom of man. We're striving to look at it from this perspective of of who God is and what God is doing and where the battles truly lie. And We'll be able to continue to weather The storm. But but do we recognize how those camps can form? Did we find ourselves ever sneaking or or allowing ourselves to get sucked into a certain camp uh, that formed? And and hopefully, again, that's something from which we learned. I I think it's something from which I learned about about myself. Let's spend most of the time, though, in the remaining time, of talking about a second type of camping. Uh, Camping is an evil that can and does creep into the church in times of relative calm, sometimes in times uh, of abundant physical and spiritual blessings. Camping can creep in to the church during those times as well. Numbers 12. Numbers 12. Here you've got two individuals that are, quote, very high up, uh, within the administration of the camp of Israel at that time, Miriam and Aaron. Aaron's the high priest. <laughs> He's the high priest in this whole, in this whole uh, group that's going out there. And Miriam, uh, family, uh, a leader with, within uh, the camp of Israel. Verse 1, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. So they said, has the eternal indeed only spoken through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? Through each of us. Look, look at the role that, that Aaron played. Look at, Aaron's the one who goes in uh, to, the, to the Holy of Holies. He's the only one who can go into the Holy of Holies uh, on the, and, and do so on the day of atonement. Has he not worked through us? Has he not spoken through us? And, and the eternal heard it. Now, the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. And suddenly the eternal said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, come out, you three, to the tabernacle of meeting. So the three came out. So the eternal uh, came down in the pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both went forward. Whoa, not not a. A happy situation if I were in one of their uh, in their shoes at that time. Verse 6, he said, hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I the Eternal make myself known to him in a vision. I, I speak to him in a dream. Not, not so though with my servant Moses. I, I don't deal with him like I would in, in some of these situations. He is faithful in all my house. He was in the camp of Israel. He was in the house. Uh, he was faithful in the house of God. Verse eight, I speak with him face to face, even plainly and not in dark sayings, not, not in a vision here or there. I speak to him face to face and he sees the form of the eternal. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? So we know that how the story goes. The anger of the Lord was aroused against him and he departed. And when the, when the cloud departed from above the tabernacle, suddenly Miriam became leprous, as white as snow. And Aaron turned toward Miriam, and there she was, a leper. Verse 11, So Aaron said to Moses, O oh my Lord, please do not lay this sin on us, in which we have done foolishly, and in which we have sinned. Please do not let her be as one dead, whose flesh is half consumed when he comes out of his mother's womb. So Moses, Moses cried out to the eternal saying, please heal her, O God, I pray. Then the Lord said to Moses, if her father had but spit in her face, would she not be shamed seven days? Let her be shut out of the camp seven days and afterwards she may be received again. So Miriam was shut out of the camp for seven days and the people did not journey till Miriam was brought in again. I think it's significant. God forgave them. But he still shut her out of the camp. It's by the, the actions that she did, uh, forming a camp within the camp of Israel, a camp that, was, that had dissension in it, uh, God said, she, she's going to pay a, a, a price for this. She's going, to, uh, pay, uh, she's going to be accountable for this. I'm going to forgive her. I'm going to bring her back in. But there's a price to pay for that and uh, put her out of the camp. Uh, until he uh, restored her to that camps within camps formed do we need to go to the camp uh, within a camp that formed with Korah Korah and and Dathan and Abiram this this camp within you know Aaron does all this Are, are we not part of the tribe of Levi can we not do this these things as well in a camp within a camp formed, there's a little bit here and a little bit there, and it's strengthened and built to where finally there was enough power in that to where they could come before Moses and, and uh, in an accusatory way saying, you put too much on yourself, Moses, who do you think you are? Uh, and we know how that played out as well. You know, part of the reason that uh, for these things occurring, I think, to some degree, uh, lies in the nature of human nature. I I think of some of the times that I've been, uh, what's the scripture say here? How was it read? Why, yeah, here it is. Why, verse verse 8 again of chapter 12, why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses. Have you ever had some flippant words, some thoughts, somebody did this or somebody said this in a, in a position of authority, a brother or sister in Christ said something to where, uh, you know, we, we, all of a sudden just something comes out of our mouths where we're not all that afraid to speak against uh, one of God's servants. I've said things I deeply regretted. Sometimes uh, looking at something and, and and evaluating that in, in not necessarily a, is it sin or not sin? Was, we're to call sin, sin. Uh, but in a, in a way that just kind of gets in there and, I, yeah, I, I see this situation. I think there's a better way. And then kind of let that, let that out there. Uh, being a little quick to uh, say something that I should not have said. That I once I thought it, I should have kicked it out right away. You know, part of the reason why these things happen, I, I think, uh, lies in the whole Maslow's hierarchy of needs as, it, as the, the pyramid is set up. You know, we get our physiological needs met. If they aren't met, we can, we can uh, start, uh, start a camp within a camp. Uh, air, water, food, sleep, shelter, clothing, uh, all those kinds of things. Uh, the basic physiological needs at the bottom of the Maslow's. We see camps forming within a camp of, of Israel when they were concerned about those things being met. Safety needs, personal security, employment, that's the next uh, level up in the pyramid. Resources, health property. Israel, as they started being concerned of their personal security, we saw that uh, come out. Love and belonging, friendship, intimacy, family, a sense of connection when that need. These others are met, so we don't think about those anymore. We think about this next one. I, I, I I want connection. I don't have that. And I'm seeing problems here or there. And then then that can form. But, but this one, the fourth one, uh, is the one that I think is especially crucial for us to recognize in our own lives, uh, where camps within camps conform. And it's this area of esteem. That's the, the desire to be respected, the desire, uh, self-esteem, status, recognition, strength, freedom, When that uh, is in danger or in in jeopardy, or we see there's an element of our own self-esteem, our own uh, respect, our, our status of being recognized, Sometimes it sneaks in right there, that camp within a camp can form in our minds. We see something that's being done, that, ah, you know, we kind of know better about that. And then we say this to this person over here that says, yeah, I get what you're saying. And then we've got this little camp going and, and we're off, off to the races. So, yes, it is, it is to some degree tied within our human nature. And yet... And yet, uh, let's go to 1 Corinthians 1, uh, and, and yet camping's roots are also buried deep within Satan's realm. We know that. He broadcasts in those moods and attitudes, uh, the moods and attitudes of his makeup, how he worked and interacted with the angels to turn a third of the angelic realm uh, away, from, away from God. Did that start with all of a sudden a blast of about 50 million Uh, all of a sudden 50 million angels are are with Satan? Uh, Or did it start in a little bit? A little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit of camp being formed. He got his foothold in that, and then some others began to see whatever injustice they thought God was doing. We don't know the details behind that that ultimately festered to the point that one-third, one-third of the angelic realm fell to that. I wonder if, if you and I, sometimes I wonder if you and I recognize the threat, the leavening, the leavening that the formation of camps within a camp really is. The degree to which we take the, the steps to see it and hate it and spit it out and remove it and insert what we should in its place. I see it attempt to get a, to get a foothold, to gain a foothold in my mind and heart from time to time. How do camps form? What, what causes them in the first place? I'd like to read a short poem by a lady up in the Pacific Northwest area, a member of the church we talk occasionally, but she recently wrote, wrote this poem. And I think it speaks to, to some degree uh, camps, even though that's not her title. Her title uh, for her poem is called Trending trending evil plows into us like Putin kind of like that Uh, evil plows into us like Putin or it enters on tiptoe holding its breath first its toe its fashionable foot then limb after luxuriant limb until it's all the way in then conditioned and complacent and looking the other way we wonder what just happened. How did it happen? How did it, how did it get in there so quickly and do what it did in this destructive manner as it did? It can be a misstep that we see from someone. It can be an attention to detail that someone doesn't catch. It can be frustration when we see clearly that there's a better way of doing something. What attitudes do camps within camps generate Anger, resentment, disdain for others. There are quite a few of of us here that work in office settings. Do you have certain people that you know? Before that person, you see that person pause and start to say something, and before they even do that, you know what they're going to say. I've heard this all before. I'm done with hearing this person's view on this. And then, sure enough, uh, there it is. You know, the, uh, we we tune can tune people out, pity parties uh, with those of like mind, passive aggression, compromising values that we know are values, godly values, but compromising on those for the greater good, plotting uh, to get the to the greater good. First Corinthians ten begins to give us the context that I'd like to spend, uh, 1 Corinthians 1, actually, uh, begins to give us the context that we talked about with these Days of Unleavened Bread. Many things are going on uh, during the Days of Unleavened Bread, but I think a, a piece of the whole situation of what culminates in Paul stating what he says in 1 Corinthians 5 is tied into this. It's something that I'm not saying that the church is, is, is rife with this. I'm just saying that there, there are always little elements that can grab on and take hold and begin to fester and, and deteriorate the church, the body of Christ, if we allow it. God's people must be on guard for that little leaven that leavens the whole lump. How on, on guard are we in our lives? How on guard are we uh, as, as a body? 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10, Paul says, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. Now, is he saying that we we can never have, a, a, you know, to come together to try to work something out where we have a difference of opinion? We're trying to come to consensus on something? Is he saying that, no, you can't, you can't ever have a different thought and, and try to work this out. But he's talking more about this oh it's okay to have this view over here and this view over here and these are opposite views and we're pushing that within the within the body now i plead with you brethren by the name of our lord jesus christ that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you schisms as the margin renders these schisms that happen these these dissensions these uh camps within the camp but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. And yet we're unique individuals. All, uh, not all, but we, we, we have different ways of looking at things at, at, at certain times. But is there this mindset to strive to be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment about the things that really matter? Are we, are we there? Are we, are we working towards that? Paul says, hey, brethren, work on this. Corinth battled with this, or maybe they weren't battling, maybe they didn't even recognize it as, as Paul is bringing this to them. Verse 11, for it's been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are, that there are contentions among you. Now, I, I, I think about this, and maybe I'm misreading this, but as I think about this, I'm thinking the people that were reading this letter, all of a sudden they're thinking, what. What, what's Chloe doing? Chloe's doing this? Chloe told him about this? Uh, you know, I, I sense that, uh, sense that uh, coming up within some. Maybe it didn't. But uh, Chloe, uh, Chloe's household reaches out to him that there, that there are contentions uh, within, within the church there. He, she, he says, now I say this, that each of you says, well, I'm of Paul, or I'm of Apollos, or I'm of Cephas. Uh, Peter. Or, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Was I the one who was crucified for you, he says? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I baptize you in the name of Paul for the forgiveness of your sins. You know, he's, he's being ridiculous. Uh, he's saying that uh, for emphasis of the ridiculousness, if that's a word, uh, of it. Verse 14, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, lest anyone should say that I baptized in my own name. So he's just, the pen is flowing here. And, he's, and then he's thinking, okay, yeah, well, okay, yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus, But besides that, I, I don't think I've baptized anybody else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ, the, the whole sacrifice of Christ, the stauros of Christ, uh, should be made of no effect. So he's telling them, hey, this is, this is going on here, and this is not healthy. And then, then now jumping over to chapter 3, after referencing uh, the, the preciousness of, of what we've been given through, through God's Spirit to, to have to where he comes in saying in verse 16 that we've been given the, the, mind, of, the mind of Christ. Uh, He then says in verse 1, I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but to as carnal, as to to babes in Christ. Verse 2, he says, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive, and even now you're still not able. You're still carnal, fleshly-minded, he says here, filled with human nature and these kinds of things. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I, "I'm of Paul," or, or or another, "I'm of Apollos," are you not being carnal? Uh, it's comparing. Well, I was you, through through this man's teachings. I came to this, so this is some kind of higher uh, situation for me being in that realm. He's saying here. The, he said, "Come on, uh, is this not a carnal way to look at it? It's not that." Not that Paul or Peter or Apollos were, were comparing themselves among uh, one another. They were not. Uh, it, was, it was the brethren that were, were doing this. Verse 5, who, who then is Paul? Who's Paul, Apollos? But, but they're ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered. God's the one who gave the increase, verse 6. So then neither he who plants is anything or he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now, he who plants and he who waters uh, are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. So he's coming back to that, that whole concept of, of, of we all have our work to do, but we're all of one. Verse 9, we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are, you are God's building. Here we go back to that single building according to the grace of god which was given to me a wise master builder i've laid the foundation another builds on it but let each one take heed how he builds on it for no other foundation can one lay than that which is laid which is jesus christ coming back to that we are all of that one bread we are all of that one of the bread and, and and blood of Jesus Christ, the wine, the bread, the the body and and uh, blood of Jesus Christ. We're all united by that. Christ laid the foundation. Verse 16 now. Verse 16, he says Do you not know that you're the temple of God? The Spirit of God dwells in you. If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. So let no one deceive himself. If anybody thinks himself to be wise, and that's an element of this that happens sometimes, begin to think of himself as being wise, he says, let him become a fool. Let him become a fool because the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. The Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they're futile. Therefore, let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. Uh, you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. So, so based on all of this, we come then to chapter 4, which lays, lays all of this as laying the groundwork for what he finally says in 1 Corinthians 5 in dealing with this whole concept of, of purging out the leavening. 1 Corinthians uh, 4 so these things, uh, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollo f- Apollos for your sakes, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up, none of you may become arrogant, puff yourself, yourselves up on behalf of one against the other. That's what the camps do. They begin to create a a way of thinking over here that is not the way this is, and there is a puffing up. We see that in the political world. We see that in so many facets of our our society, of the puffing up. It's like how much much air can I draw in to puff myself up to dominate over this way of thinking that we see going back and forth out there. Uh, Look down at... uh, as he talks about their, their role, and speaks uh, uh, with a little bit of sarcasm, I think, in, in what he's saying here in verses seven through 10. But uh, he, he comes to say, let's look at verse uh, 14. I do not write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you do not have many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. He's saying, I, I was the one who was in this role, he, he did the role that God had him, to, uh, Christ had him do as, as the apostle to the Gentiles. So he says, Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. For this reason, I'm sending Timothy uh, to you uh, to, to teach you. Uh, now, some are puffed up, verse 18, as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills, and I'll know not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. So what do you want? He says, shall I come to you with a rod or in love and in a spirit of gentleness? Let's think about the application to what we just read. Think about here in our church, our church setting. Let's think about it in the office setting. We're, we're very blessed here to have the church office, the, the headquarters uh, church here. Uh, individuals, here in the office, here uh, here in our congregation, uh, that have God's spirit. We're part of the body of Christ, and it is a huge blessing. But we are all very different kinds of people. And we've weathered some storms. We've gotten through some storms. And and to some degree, we are in, uh, despite things going on in the world, knowing that anything could trigger anything to happen quickly, we have really experienced some blessings in the church. We've we've experienced a, a lot of joy, a lot of harmony, and I, I think of, of the wonderful blessing that it's been to to be here and and work with you and work alongside you in this kind of environment. It's it's something Lisa and I strive not to take for granted. We are so blessed here, and and so blessed to have so many dedicated and loving and kind and sacrificing people as i look across the audience and and see all the folks who are here that do what they do and 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 so many of you do so many things behind the scenes for others that others don't see that uh, being pastor i i get wind of and it is it's an amazing thing to see that Uh, a, a tremendous blessing that is evidence of, of God working in uh, God's people here. But all the factors that we, we've talked about, all these factors can play into situations within an office or a church congrega- congregational setting or even within a family. A different way of attacking a problem. How should we handle this situation here? How to approach a task? How to think through an issue? Uh, is, the, is the individual uh, with, with whom we work or individuals with whom they work, do they tend to be collaborative or do they tend to be non-collaborative? Uh, is, is being collaborative righteous and, and being a little more non-collaborative? I work a little bit better kind of on my own. Is, is, is one sin or is one, one righteousness? Uh, what about the ones who are linear and concrete? In order to approach this task, we have to back up here and see this step. If this step is met, we've got to meet this step and this step. And if we'll we trump to this step without covering these steps, how can we get to this task that we're trying to complete? And the other person is saying, "Get the big picture, man. Get the big picture. See the big picture. We can deal with the details." Uh, you know, we have so many different ways of, of viewing certain things that, that can happen. Big picture, talk, let's talk about the possibilities. How do we brainstorm solutions? What, what, do, what sensitivities do some have? Do some battle, uh, well, this is my baby. This is where I've always worked. This is where I've done this. And, and don't, don't come into my space. This is how we've always done it. This is the way we will always do it in the future. Uh, versus, hey, can we not step back and look at this? Let's brainstorm how to, how to approach this. People perceived by others as overstepping their areas of control or oversight. What's he or what's she doing coming into that and and stomping in in my territory? A boss who doesn't concern himself or herself with the details. A boss who is so concerned about the details and micromanages that it drives me nuts. Let Let me do what I can do. Everything seems to be done on the fly. We're just we're doing everything on the fly without adequate planning. We've got to do things decently in order. That's what the Scripture says. Let everything be done decently in order. This is, is the nature of, of the church of God. It's how it should be, 1 Corinthians 14. Or conversely, again, as I mentioned, he or she is so planned in every single little detail that it makes me want to scream <laughs> You know where you are on that. Uh, I know kind of where where I am on that. But we're different. We're, we're different. We have challenges. And all of these kinds of situations about the way that we see a problem or, or see a situation can be very, very different at times. And, and the, the the camp of, oh, okay, well, this guy over here, he, he saw me make that, he saw that eyebrow go up when this person in this meeting said this. And, oh, yeah, he's thinking like I am. I'm going to swing over here and talk to this person. About that. And then, then all of a sudden, we've got a little camp. We've got a little camp going here. We've got folks that see things like, like I see them. And, and as a result, you know, we kind of know what's going on. We see, we see it how it really is. And then that, that begins to fester. Uh, I'm not saying that it's, it's here and it's happening, but I'm saying any of us that have been in these situations before, we know how quickly that can happen. So, uh, and in that, all of a sudden, it can blow up in times of significant stress, but it can also blow up in the good times, especially over time as we know each other. We know each other. You know Burnett. You know his weaknesses. You know his well, he's, he does have a few strengths, I think. But anyway, but you, you know, you know the things about me. You know my challenges, and and how do we handle those? How do we handle those situations when we're, we're dealing with uh, the things that we, we, we face? Uh, there is uh, an element of of forming camps, and there is an element of of godly being direct in a godly manner like Jethro was direct. He went right to Moses and said, Moses, let's, let's talk about this. This situation could be done better. Uh, here's, here's one I'm proposing. Uh, God appreciates that. God appreciates Uh, the input that we can have with one another as we work together. Are we ready to receive that input? Are we ready to give that input with the right kind of mindset? That's not camps. When we have a difference of opinion and we think we need to, uh, we can hopefully work through a situation. But the other is a little bit of leavening. It sneaks in. Camps form, divisions form, and then here we've got something very serious. So here's the critical piece as we come to 1 Corinthians 5 then. So all of this is happening and then Paul says in verse 1, it's actually reported that there's sexual immorality among you and such sexual immorality is not even named uh, among the Gentiles that a man has his father's wife. Are you puffed up and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you? Paul says, I don't even have to be there to judge this situation, as he says in the next verses. I can see what needs to be done here. Deliver such a one to Satan, as they later did, and the person repented and came back. Verse 6, your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? This glorying that took place, I, I submit to you in part, was the forming of camps within the camps. They saw others that were, were like they were, and and we've got it going on here. No, we've got it going on here. And become so caught up in that kind of mindset, the camps within a camps, that, that it blinded them to, to something that even the Gentiles can see. This is awful, how can we let this happen? And that's what it does to us. As, as we find ourselves in that situation and not seeking to stay connected as the body of Christ, it can blind us to some of the most basic sins that could be present. Blinds us to other areas in our spiritual lives to which we should be rooting out. We can be so, become so puffed up, glorying in the positions we have taken, or as they had, glorying in the positions they had taken, that they had missed the boat completely on on a very basic, clear sin that needed to be rooted out. They had blinded themselves to something obvious that they should have rooted out. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for him, as Proverbs tells us. I've seen this happen as well with some individuals. This person over here sees things like I see them. Uh, and and they, we see the problem over here with these folks. And so then we can become sometimes blind to the, the, the weaknesses and the sins of people who share the same view as we do because we can see clearly this over here. That can happen. That can happen as well versus calling sin, sin. He or she is in my camp, you know. Uh, I'm going to evaluate others' words and actions with hypersensitivity, hyper aware of everything that he or she says while I, I cut, cut a lot of slack for this person over here because, you know, he, he, he gets me. He gets what we're thinking. We see this clearly. How do we fight it? Recognize it when it creeps into our lives and call it what it is. Sometimes it sneaks into my life and I've got to call it what it is. Get your act together, Burnett. (laughs) Repent of this. Think right. Endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Bear with one another in love. Pray about these situations when we detect a destructive attitude, either in ourselves or in others, and ask God to soften that person, to soften that person and help the person see and talk with the person about it for the right reasons. Ask God to help us in our approach toward one another, not returning evil for evil, and do not compromise on what is right there is right and wrong but diligently search the scriptures and our own hearts what's motivating our thoughts what's motivating uh, what's motivating our hearts our feelings our reactions and consider our responses we work with that individual uh, to determine uh, whether a little leaven has sneaked into our lives uh, as a result of this all of these things are factors let's turn finally to first uh, wrap this up in first peter 1 you know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11 that these things happen in the church. He wasn't saying that it's, it's great that they happen, but, but it happens. And, and through that, God sees who's approved and who's not. What, what is God seeing in us? What is God going to see as challenges will arise in the church? Because challenges will arise. More challenges are coming. Uh, Satan is hard at work. Will he catch us off guard? Will he catch us truly unleavened? Or will we have let a little bit of leavening sneak in and form a camp within a camp? 1 Peter 1, 1 Peter 1 to finish. 1 Peter 1 verse 12. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they were, min- they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you, though, uh, those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels, in fact, desire to look into. So he makes the statement, Therefore, as a result of, of what we've been given, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, rest your hope fully upon the grace of God that's to be brought to you at the revelation of Christ that we're obedient children, not conforming ourselves to the former lusts, as in our ignorance, but as, as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it's written, be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear." knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from, from, from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. But we have been redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We're part of a singular body as a result of the precious blood of Jesus Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. This individual was foreordained before the foundation of the world, uh, as was talked about to some degree in the sermonette, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you've been purified, since you've purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Are we loving one another fervently with a pure heart? Are we recognizing the camps within a camp that can be formed, that little bit of leavening that leavens the whole lump? I submit to you that those who are God's people, those who remain faithful will see that and will continue to root that out when we see it start to raise up. Let's always remain faithful and remain in a state of thankfulness to God for the brethren that he's given us because we're all a part of the body of Christ. Even though we're looking forward to the church camp out later this month, let's strive to hate camping.